you know, people will often say something like, and, and I understand the frustration. Let me preface this by saying, I've been there. I understand that when you're trying to um, be responsible for everything, when you're wondering if this glass of wine will affect you or this cup of coffee or whatever, there's a great deal of frustration that goes with that, you know, but um, that's where the meditation comes in and, you know, the visualization and the, the positive affirmations and things like that. But really, you know, that one cup of coffee could be standing between you and getting pregnant because, you know, coffee is such a mineral depleter. Um, it affects your um, absorption of vitamins and minerals. It uh, affects your um, gut health as well. So just little things like that, that people, you know, will sometimes push back really hard, you know, on those little things. Well, one, what possibly could, could one cup of coffee hurt me in my fertility journey? And it's really holistic. Um, and it depends if you're someone like myself that has a lot of these underlying um, genetic disorders, it really could be making a significant difference in your health. That's Erica Hoke, and I'm Brian Falchuk. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome back to another episode of Do a Day. This week, my guest is Erica Hoke. Erica is a health coach who focuses specifically on fertility or infertility issues for women and getting to a better lifestyle in health. And that comes from a more holistic understanding of the various things that you're exposed to and how those things are impacting your life and your health and not just your reproductive health, but that is her main focus, but it goes much broader than that. And as anyone on this show, Erica's reason for doing that is from her own journey to start a family. She and her husband struggled for years, and the more they got into it, the more they learned that they didn't have options, as the doctors were telling them, like IVF. And there were things going on with Erica and what she was exposed to and how her body was handling it and struggling and different conditions she had that she had to unpack and figure out how to address. And through that nine-year journey that she went through for herself, going from being told, absolutely, you cannot have kids, to being a mother of four kids, including a set of twins, without IVF treatments, which is pretty wild, uh, that stark switch is such a, a reminder for those people who struggle or, you know, she had, um, she, she faced miscarriage and, you know, she talks about clients of hers who have had multiple miscarriages before getting more information to help avoid that. She's trying to help create families, but also take away that pain and that difficulty and really valuable information that affects a staggering part of the population that I think a lot of people aren't aware of because we don't tend to talk about it. We don't talk about how frequent miscarriage is. We don't talk about how frequently people struggle to have kids. It's something that touches many, many people in this country and is all too often done silently. So with that, let's jump into this episode with Erica Hoke. Erica Hoke, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I, I don't think... 
we've had an episode yet with quite your story. So it's always good to get a new perspective and path for people who are listening, who are maybe enjoying other episodes, but it's not necessarily hitting home quite the way they need it to. So I hope that this one is helpful for people. Will you give us a little bit of a sense of what you do today? And there's such a connection to your backstory. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, thanks. First of all, it's a privilege to um, be able to share this information because it affects so many women. Um, I, at uh, 35 years old, was a newlywed, and um, I was one in six of women who was suffering from infertility. Um, It's a very widespread problem uh, across the world, not just in the United States. And because of my age, my husband's age, we knew right away that we wanted to um, go ahead and start a family. We both knew that we wanted a family. And so I knew that my path um, ahead of time, it wasn't, it wasn't a mystery to me that I might have some problems. I had already had some health um, things going on uh, that I knew might cause infertility challenges. And I can tell you a little bit about that in a minute. Um, but we didn't know how grim of a diagnosis it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had just started dipping our toe into um, looking into addressing some of my health issues and into the world of infertility, because uh, mostly because the doctors, even at that age, will push you off um, for the trying phase for a year or up to a year and a half. Why is that? Um, you know, I really can't answer that question uh, because there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, I don't know. I won't answer that okay. question. I'm not a medical okay. professional, um, but it's very common and uh, it's confusing. Let's say that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I do, um, I want to keep going through your story, but just really quickly, if you can hit on what your work is today, so yeah. the context. Yeah, sure. So today I serve women who are um, trying to conceive, who have pretty much exhausted their options, or like myself, have not been given any hope um, for fertility treatments. Um, not, I was not a candidate for IVF. And so there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say misdiagnosis because I'm not a doctor, but there's a lot of things in the medical um, community, the medical world that are missed in terms of testing um, that can lead to conception if they're just identified. And there's also a ton of um, external control that women have that, that need to be empowered. So I help empower women both in the medical um, realm uh, for advocating for themselves And then I help them identify the areas in their life where they can um, be impactful and um, take charge of the things that could be affecting their infertility. Okay. So you gave us a a taste of your backstory. So I think people know why this is so important to you and what you bring to that work. So keep, keep going. So the doctors put you off. The doctors put me off um, just to give you uh, kind of a a 30,000 view of what I had going on. Um, I had pretty much every known infertility problem known, (laughs) infertility problem known. So I had uh, stage four endometriosis. I had PCOS. uh, I had uterine fibroids, um, significant amount of uterine fibroids. um, Come to find out I had thyroid disease. 
Um, I did not know it at the time, um, but later came to find out that I was a double mutation on both genes for something called MTHFR. And also um, the thing that I advocate the most for is factor five Leiden testing, which is a blood clotting disorder. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then also later uh, had Epstein-Barr virus. Come to find out that it had Epstein Barr virus. Because it wasn't, you didn't have enough things going on. I didn't have enough things going on. Right, right. So that's kind of what was going on with me. And um, and so we went to the fertility doctor. Um, I started taking care of uh, things step by step that I that I knew that I could have control over. Um, I did have some surgeries done for the endometriosis, Mm -hmm. um, for the fibroid removal. Um, but in the end, uh, the fertility doctors, because I was already, because of my age and what was going on in my body, um, I couldn't have done IVF. We didn't have the money for it at the time anyway, but I couldn't have, I was not a candidate for IVF, which is Mm. always, um, people's backup plan, right? Well, I can't get pregnant. So if I can't, then IVF is an option. Well, many people don't realize that IVF is not an option for them as it was not for me. Um, and that's because, um, the medication that they give you to Mm -hmm. be able to collect those eggs, my, my body was already on a a level 10. So I was already just only giving one egg and the medication wouldn't have given any more than one egg a month. And you can't do IVF with just uh, a single egg retrieval. So I think most people have no idea about these things. So, yeah, like you're saying like, oh, it's, and then we'll just get help. Right. We'll just get help and, you know, we'll second mortgage our house or, you know, uh, whatever it takes. I mean, really people um, put themselves in a lot of um, financial hardship for conception and, um, you know, sometimes they don't even need to go down that path if they would just, you know, um, explore their options. So, mm. so you did explore options quite a bit, but did you just naturally come to that? Like, how do you get go from what I imagine is pretty heartbreaking news that you didn't have, you didn't have the path that you thought would be the savior? Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of people going through infertility struggle will tell you it's like death. And that's, you know, that's cyclical monthly. Every time you get your cycle and you're not getting a positive pregnancy test, it it literally is a grieving and a, a death-like process for families. And we experienced that for 18 months. Um, so after I had done everything in the medical realm that I could address in terms of surgeries, in terms of addressing um, physical functioning parts. Let's just say that, right? We made we made the, the plumbing work as good as we could make it work. Uh, we were actually um, and then, you know, told that we were not a candidate for IVF. And so I really felt in my, my spirit that um, I was meant to carry my own children, that adoption was not an option for us. And a lot of people feel that same way. They just want to experience pregnancy and birth and uh, the raising of, you know, their, their own children. And so I went to work investigating every possible thing that could be affecting my fertility um, and all the natural 
all the natural things um, that needed to be addressed that I could help myself with. Uh, that led me to things like um, like acupuncture mm-hmm. uh, for fertility, also uh, complementary for IVF, but um, really it's one of the things that I credit um, with us being able to get pregnant after 18 months. Um, visualization, uh, the mind, body connection is super important um, and addressing um, not only your mindset, but past trauma, uh, which it, it's interesting. Some of these things I was doing intuitively or led or however you want to, um, whatever lens you want to view that under, but in hindsight, being 2020, it were it was all the things that I needed to do. The things that I needed to do to heal myself um, were because I had MTHFR, which I did not know. Yeah. Um, the things that I needed to do to heal myself, um, my were you know impactful um, trauma impacted my body and my reproduction. So I was doing things like therapy, um, you know, talk therapy, yeah. and also visualization. So. Those are some of the things, you know, when you're talking about one in six women with infertility, I feel very strongly that that connection with infertility is also connected to our um, our trauma and abuse um, rates, which are very, very similar. Yeah. Um, I know causation is not always correlation, but I, I strongly believe in this case that it is because uh, you have a, a huge group of women who have experienced um physical or sexual abuse and uh, then find themselves infertile because um, it's the insult to injury, right? They've never addressed uh, those things. And um, that, that actually gets stored in your body. So we address um, some of those type of things as well. I, I definitely see the connection on the trauma side and it is really rampant. And I think so many people either are suppressing it or are afraid to face it because it is scary. Sure. It does bring things out and thinking that, you know, the idea that not addressing it is protecting you from it. It's still, you're still paying price for it just because you're not front and center with it doesn't mean it isn't impacting your life in so many different ways. Absolutely. Um, and for the fertility world, that shows up in a lot of different ways too. That shows up in eating disorders, um, people being, you know, having unhealthy lifestyles, um, poor coping mechanisms, um, and things like that. So that's why the mindset component is so important, as you know, and um, addressing those underlying things that in the medical community certainly would not be talked about or even considered as a reason for why somebody might be experiencing infertility. How did you, I mean, how did you actually get down this path looking at each of these things between the diet, between the the self-work, the therapy side and the mindfulness, meditation, all those things, were they just, had those always been a part of your life or did you get introduced to them? Like how does, because I think that's that's one of the things, A, I, I fully agree with you, I think, those are many of the modalities that help us. Um, some people are unaware of them or they have a stigma or aversion to trying them. You know, it's, oh, I don't want to have to do all that work or can I just take a pill or Absolutely. I want to eat what I'm eating or I don't have 10 minutes to meditate today or, you know, whatever it is. So how do you get into that? How did you know? 
I believe that I was being, you know, led, um, you know, this is very much a passion and a calling for me. So mm. it's also a, also a journey, you know, so I'm sitting here easily rattling off the, the past, you know, 13, 14 years of my life of what I've come to learn, but it really was a process for me. And so I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, I had been introduced to an acupuncturist in my community that did specialize in fertility acupuncture. So even though I was scared to death of needles my entire life, I was willing to do whatever it took. I was determined um, to leave no stone unturned. And I think that um, that's going to be the key for the people that want to work with me. You know, they're, they're willing to take a hard look at the areas of their life that um, have not been uncovered and discovered yet. But I started with acupuncture to answer your question. And then, then I looked at the, the, I just took it step by step. So I looked at, um, if you're not familiar, there's a, a fantastic website called environmental working group. It's yeah, EWG.org. Um, I'm sure, you know, you know, and your listeners know of that, but I started there and I started one, one, food group at a time. So knowing that conventional meats and protein products are laden with uh, not only hormones, but pesticides, uh, I started there and I started switching out all my proteins and being mindful of that. And when I got uh, that, say, under my belt or under control or in a manageable space, then I just went to the next thing. I I started looking at, well, what can I switch out? What else, what else can I address in my diet? Um, of course, processed foods are, you know, detrimental. They were especially detrimental for me because of the MTHFR. Um, so taking out um, processed foods, taking out fast foods, um, increasing my fruit and vegetable intake. Uh, once I did that, then looking at the EWG, um, the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. Yeah. So going step-by-step step down that list and replacing the foods uh, with organic choices off of that list. Can you just so show what, just, what those lists are so people know the content? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the clean 15 and the dirty dozen is a free uh, resource on environmental working group that they launch every year. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to budget for your organic fruits and vegetables. So it gives you a breakdown of the cleanest fruits and vegetables that are pesticide free that you can kind of um, just go ahead and go conventional on. And then the dirty dozen list is fruits and vegetables that you should without a doubt skip if you cannot eat organic. Um, very heavily pesticide laden, um, GMO a lot of times. And the interesting thing about that, as my journey has progressed and as I've started my family and I have my family, is that the foods on the dirty dozen list are the most consumed by children. It's yeah. things like tomatoes, so ketchup, uh, potatoes, so French fries and in you know our standard Western diet. So potatoes, tomatoes, um, Grapes, strawberries, very heavily consumed. Yeah, strawberries and, are just sitting there in the buds oh, on the ground. Yeah, yeah. We just will not eat strawberries if yeah. they're they're conventional because they're 
they're like little pesticide sponges otherwise yeah. right yeah. so the potato um fries and, and ketchup <laughs> fries and ketchup yeah. i know you got the combo right there yeah. yeah yeah so uh there's quite a few on that list that are are the favorites of kids yeah. um and you know it's a whole a whole different topic for another show but yeah. you know kids consume a higher percentage of their body weight and things like that uh in terms of calories and, and consumption so and it's they're very more important. susceptible and they're developing and so those yeah. chemicals have an even greater impact on them that's I, right i yeah. whether you're you know you think that we're sounding like a couple of of liberal hippies right now we're not is not the point it's it's about our wellness right and i love those two lists because they're they're my standard response and people are like oh it's too expensive to eat that way it's like yeah you know it does cost more here's one of the ways that you can balance that out. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you talked about switching out your proteins, like making those choices about what are better proteins or for myself, I ultimately went vegan and, and I hear it all the time. Oh, it's too expensive. I'm like, well, meat's not free either. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, you can make, you can make choices that balance your budget as well. Like beans and rice are some of the cheapest things you can get and incredibly nutritious, especially when eaten together. So it's not, I think a lot of people go into this with like, oh, here we go there, you know, now my grocery bill is going to double. Right. That's part of the point of this list is, okay, if you do have to make some choices and we all have to make choices every day, sure. here are some tips on where to, where to exercise that constraint of those choices better. Right. Absolutely. And there are ways to stretch your protein. And honestly, you know, we probably all eat too much protein, you know, if you're not, if you're not doing a, a vegan diet. So even, even if you are, I know yeah. vegans <laughs> who supplement their protein like crazy and it's, it's not necessary. And I was, I was one of them. I mean, I mm -hmm. probably eat a 20th, the protein that I used to eat maybe seven, eight years ago. And I was like protein obsessed. Uh, and somehow I've survived even without yes. all that protein. So, all right. Yeah, yeah. It's not about me. Go <laughs> back to you. <laughs> so EWG was really helpful in that, in that process for you. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, uh, it was key. And then I started looking at other things like uh, what I was putting on my body. Um, mm. That could be an entire show by itself, but yeah. everything that you put on your skin um, is in your bloodstream in two minutes. So anything that you touch, hand sanitizer, um, hand soap, um, pesticide when you're, you know, spraying your lawn or, or your garden or what have you, it's two minutes in your bloodstream and 20 minutes in every cell of your body. Wow. That, I'd never heard that. I knew it got in there, but I never heard the speed mm -hmm. that it goes yep. in makeup, moisturizer, fragrances, antiperspirant, deodorant, shaving cream. Body wash. Yeah, all of the it. The list goes on and on and on. So the average woman puts about 300 independent chemicals on her body a day. Wow. And the average man puts about 80 um, chemicals, independent chemicals on their skin. Wow. So those kind of things dramatically, uh, most of them are hormone and endocrine disruptors. Um, no pun intended, but I'll get on my soapbox for a minute about this. If you can switch out one thing in your life, um, everybody can do this. If you're still listening, you're probably, you know, going down the, the fertility path. But uh, laundry detergent, laundry detergent gets uh, most 
conventional laundry detergent <laughs> gets a D or an F rating on the EWG website. Mm -hmm. And so um, people think that that's very peculiar, that that's one of my most um, advocated uh, products to switch out, but you're on your sheets or you're in your clothes 23 and a half hours a day. Yeah. And the whole time, um, the whole time that you're wearing your clothes and you're sleeping, those chemicals from your detergent, from your fabric softener, from your dryer sheets are off gassing onto your body. They're actually breaking down and um, they've significantly um, gotten worse because of the time released chemicals. Yeah. Um, you know, fresh for 30 days. Well, fresh for 30 days, breaking down on your body while you sleep. I'm so. not naming them, but there's a yeah. product I keep seeing the ads for these little pellets that you add oh, to your yeah. wash that they're like two months or three months. And I'm, so I can tell when our neighbors are doing the laundry now, just, I mean, it's also, it's not just on your skin, it's in the air. And right. um, we, we used to use a mainstream detergent and the free version like, mm -hmm. you know, the unscented, whatever. And if someone's using that now, it smells to me because we don't, you know, we don't use anything like that now. Right. Um, I can tell it's still heavily, heavily chemicalized, fragranced, whatever, um, even though it's supposed to be the free, clear, natural. Um, so yeah, moving off of those brands, off of those products, because it's, it's on your skin, it's in the air while you're using it. It's then heated in the dryer. Right. So it's, it's getting into you another way. Yeah. So those are, those things are hormone and endocrine disruptors. So when you're talking about um, being impactful in small, manageable ways, that's a huge impact on your health. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're cleaning up our food. We're cleaning up our food. We're cleaning up what we're cleaning up with. Yes. What about, what about the mind? How do you get to that point? Well, the mind, um, the visualization thing is is a key component because if you can't imagine in your mind that you can achieve something, then you can't do it. You know, it's the quote, if you think that you can, you can. And if you think that you can't, you cannot. And there is a huge mind-body connection with uh, fertility in that realm as well. So you really... Um, I encourage my um, members to whatever whatever realm works for them the best, whether it's meditation, whether it's vis visualization, whether it's yoga, whether it's prayer, whatever resonates with them the most um, to one, spend some time in stillness because we're a, such a go, go, go um, society. And then also, you know, the visualization and that meditation um, is very important to write those kind of things out too, um, to start that thought pattern and replace those neg negative thoughts with positive ones and, and kind of purge that out of your system instead mm -hmm. of allowing it to be a repetitive thought pattern. So, you know, there's some great apps for that um, as well. And I just, you know, work with my clients on um, whatever fits into their lifestyle the best that's going to, um, again, be easy and impactful yeah. for them. How long of a journey? I mean, I know there's a point where you start trying to have kids again and, and ultimately you do, like, I don't want to spoil it. Um, but how long of a journey does this have to be for people? Or can it be? I don't want to say it is 
have to be, right? It sounds like work, yeah, but it, it gets right. to be. But how long until, well, for you, how long did, did it take until you started to feel different? Because I'm sure you were not feeling well any day, let alone, you know, the not having kids part, just physically, these things all take a toll. Right, absolutely. Um, it took me probably about nine months to see a difference um, all the way around. Um, part of that was advocating for myself. Um, you know, I, I talked about in the beginning that I had some thyroid um, disorder. And so I started feeling somewhat better with these diet changes and better with the acupuncture, but I could tell that I still wasn't where I should be as a, you know, a functioning 35 year old woman. I didn't have the energy that I, that I should have had and that sort of thing. And so I started doing some research on that about thyroid levels um, and that sort of thing. And really just went to my doctor and um, had a frank discussion with them about, hey, I know um, that I'm in range for my thyroid numbers, you know, for my, my um, TSHS numbers, um, but I don't feel well. I'm still symptomatic. Uh, it wasn't until that point, that was kind of the, the switch that got flipped for me. It wasn't until I went and advocated for myself and um, and got my my uh, dosage increased and my symptoms alleviated till I started feeling you know a hundred percent. So I'm never advocating for people not to utilize Western medicine or um, you know that if you just eat some celery and lose ten pounds and you know meditate. Um, that you're going to get pregnant, you know, right away. It's not that it's, it's really being in tune with your body and addressing the things that are within your control and not just um, really taking responsibility for your health and your health care and your fertility. Um, so once I did that, then I felt significantly better. Um, but I had to really uh, fight for that, honestly. Um, and I see women all the time uh, in my groups that have to do the same, uh, where they get a lot of pushback from the medical system, um, you know, to, to get to a place where they're not symptomatic and they're yeah. in their thyroid levels. Yeah. There's so much it's in your head. There's nothing you can do. You need to learn to deal with this. You're making this worse for yourself. None right. of that stuff works. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, people will often say something like, uh, this is actually one of my videos on YouTube. And, and I understand the frustration. Let me preface this by saying, I've been there. I understand that when you're trying to um, be responsible for everything, when you're wondering if this glass of wine will affect you or this cup of coffee or whatever, there's a great deal of frustration that goes with that, you know, but um, that's where the meditation comes in and you know, the visualization and the, the positive affirmations and things like that. But really, you know, that one cup of coffee could be standing between you and getting pregnant because, you know, coffee is such a mineral depleter. Um, it affects your um, absorption of vitamins and minerals. It uh, affects your um, gut health as well. So just little things like that, that people, you know, will sometimes push back really hard, you know, on those little things. Well, one, what possibly could, could one cup of coffee hurt me yeah. in my fertility journey? And it's really holistic. Um, and it depends if you're someone like myself 
that has a lot of these underlying um, genetic disorders, it really could be making a significant difference in your health. Yeah. The coffee one. The coffee That's- one. I know. Like, oh my gosh, don't tell somebody to <laughs> don't tell somebody to give up their coffee, right? Coffee is like uh, the vegan cheese discussion where people are like, oh, I'd go vegan except for the cheese. I can't give that up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, addictions come in all forms, right? They do. And the thing that I find so interesting is when we're like, oh, I couldn't live without X or if I can't have this, I don't want to live. Like you hear that a lot. And it's like, okay, well, what I've learned is what if we just try it right now, like just for today? Because right. you don't have to never have coffee again for the rest of your life, which totally feels too daunting today. Like you're not having no cups of coffee again forever in right. this moment. So what if we just try to skip it today? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Says the guy who had two cups of coffee today, but I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm working on it. Yeah. yeah. I do caffeine. I do caffeine still, but I have, I have given up on my coffee, so... I do some caffeinated teas and things. Yeah, it's and it, it it's a it's a progression, right? You don't have to go right. cold turkey. You can yeah switch the tea. There's other things that you can that you can look at. Um, and like you said, it's not an absolute, you know. Right. Uh, all right. Before we alienate anyone else by talking about <laughs> coffee further, it's it's funny the things that people latch on to, but that's fair. Um, so. You have four kids today? I have four boys. Yes, I do. Wow. Yeah, including a set of twins. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what um, I say every day. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's such a strong statement in the reverse of all the things you were told or had learned before about your situation and the the, the fact that there was no way, fact, right, that there was no way to change it. You just have to accept this. Right. Um, but for you, the journey didn't just stop at being able to conceive and give birth to healthy kids that there's, there's more to it. There's the postpartum side, like there's all the things that come with them, the exhaustion. I mean, going back to the coffee point. Mm-hmm. Um, so the journey has continued for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, I went through, um, a really difficult period. Um, my twins were born 27 months old, 27 months after my first son. So I had three under three. Wow. Yeah. It was, I'm going to uh, keep saying wow, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no way around that. Nope. There's no way around that wow. It was um, very intense um, to say the least. My husband traveled for business. We didn't, everybody's always so hopeful for me. They, they want to always say to me, but you had help, right? Like somebody came to help you. <laughs> um, and I didn't really have, I didn't really have any help. Um, I ended up, you know, utilizing a, a young teenage neighbor for some help and things like that. But it really put me into a, um, I actually wrote a blog post about it. It set my PTSD on fire mm-hmm. um, is what I said, because um, I had gone from being a type A personality in the workforce um, to a stay-at-home mom with three little kids. And the, the, thing about, um, the thing about PTSD, and I have a history of trauma as well, 
And so the thing about PTSD is as long as you can control your environment, a lot of times you can control the PTSD, right? So I was very good at having coping mechanisms in terms of, um, I never relied on alcohol or anything like that, um, but I had my own coping mechanisms, right? And so when you throw three little humans in the mix of that, um, it set my PTSD on fire. And so that was a whole separate journey for me postpartum of learning to deal with, um, with my emotions and my triggers uh, in a natural and holistic way. And, uh, you know, again, that's, that might be a whole separate show, but yeah. Um, yeah, that has been a journey as well. So. Well, and what, what do you do? For, like, is it, this is the same things that you were doing to get yourself to the point of being able to conceive and to get through all the, the various things that you were dealing with, or is there, is there more to the puzzle? Well, uh, the, this part of the puzzle for me was gut health. Um, you know, I had been eating really well and, you know, making these diet and lifestyle changes. Uh, but even with that, I was, I was taking the things out, but I wasn't putting the things in. And so, um, my number two (laughs) most advocated for changes for everybody to be on a good quality probiotic, um, multi-strain, um, it was really impactful for my health. And that's why I feel so strongly about it. Uh, it cut my anxiety level probably in half, I would say, um, just because, you know, when you're dealing with, um, leaky gut, which a lot of people have, and when you're dealing with, um, uh, when you're dealing with leaky gut and when you're dealing with anxiety, the serotonin and all those, those good hormones for your mood are made in your gut, which some, some people don't really even realize that. And so, um, even if you're eating well, you're not eating hundred percent perfect. Mm-hmm. So when you eat conventional food, say you eat, you know, you buy organic, you buy organic, uh, lettuce boxes, but you go out to have a salad, you know, once in a while at a restaurant while you're eating, you know, conventional produce that way. So anytime you eat conventional produce, it's got pesticide on it. I think that we can all agree on that. And so when you consume that, you're actually consuming antibiotics. So we, we do that on some level every single day. It acts those pesticides act as an antibiotic in your body on a daily basis. Yeah. So you're killing out, you're killing off your, your gut flora. Um, and then just the process of, you know, having babies and things like that, you get put on, you know, antibiotics at birth birth and that sort of thing. So I needed a gut health reset. And then that was, you know, that was my gut health journey, learning how to um, heal leaky gut, uh, learning uh, ways, you know, again, this is pre-diagnosis for MTHFR, but I knew um, holistically in the past because I had tried, you know, over the counter or not over the counter prescription medicine for anxiety and depression and that sort of thing. And they never really, never really worked well for me. Didn't I didn't feel well on them, never stayed on them long-term because I just was not getting the results that I wanted from them. So I knew that that wasn't really an option for me. Mm -hmm. On top of that, I was nursing my babies and that would have meant um, having to um, stop breastfeeding. So that really wasn't an option. So I started exploring things like essential oils and uh, ultimately got on a uh, THC-free CBD oil that has helped me tremendously. 
Interesting. Yeah, you hear so much about CBD these days and THC. What's what's the difference with THC being in it or not? And I, I assume that has something to do with the fact that you were still uh, nursing your kids. Right. So THC is the psychoactive um, chemical in um, in CBD. So you can you can still have a certain percentage of that. It's kind of still the wild west with CBD oil. Um, in terms of not being any regulation and not being good auditing of um, the quality and that sort of thing. So the the importance of having a traceable, sourceable CBD is is paramount. And I'll tell you why. Um, hemp is actually a uh, a soil cleanser. So when when um, the CBD is planted, it used to be planted back in back in the turn of the century when every farmer was required to grow hemp before it was villainized. Um, they used to use it to scrub the soil in between crops um, because it takes all the heavy metals out and um, the pesticides and things like that. And so if you don't know where your CBD is coming from, then you could be consuming something that you consider a clean natural product that is actually sucking up all the the chemicals and the harmful ingredients in the soil. So, so um, yeah, it is really interesting. The history of uh, hemp in this country is really interesting. Um, but the THC free part is um, <laughs> just trying to trying to figure the best way to explain this. Um, in order to have a good uh, CBD product that is THC free, you have to replace the THC in the CBD with something. So uh, THC is an endocannabinoid. Okay, so whether it's, uh, or I'm sorry, CBD is an endocannabinoid and our bodies, every human body is an endocannabinoid system. So the interesting thing about that is, is that the CBD joins into your body like a lock and key. Mm. Okay. So in order to do that, it has to have an entourage to get into the cell. Well, in regular CBD, that entourage, um, you know, the bodyguards or what have you of that, you know, to go along with it is the THC. When you extract that, you have to replace that with another um, compound. Um, So the compound that my CBD has in it is an essential oil so that it acts as a entourage effect into the cell and replaces those with it's a terpene is what it's called that's the sciencey name for it so you're replacing that one terpene that has a psychoactive property that you don't want with another compound an essential oil that acts as the entourage into the cell sorry i got real sciencey on you but i'm super passionate about that too yeah. so i didn't know any of these things it's it's interesting and the way our bodies are set up as with receptors to right. all this stuff is is super interesting. Um, so today, aside from helping other people, there must be things that you're like, is this just, this has just become the way that you and your family live. And so it's a non-issue or are you still actively trying to manage certain things or reacting to things that crop up for you? Like how much is this just normal life versus you're still on the watch and needing to address things? Oh, for sure. We're still, you know, 
we're still definitely on the watch. It's funny that you asked me because I was just thinking today um, at lunchtime. So uh, again, this is not an overnight thing for people um, to change out their diet, change out their products. Some things are very easy. Um, and then it's a process, you know? Um, so we went from proteins to vegetables to grains, organic. Um, then I started looking at things like um, corn syrup. So the past two years, we have been very vigilant about corn syrup and dye in our foods. Um, you would think that eating mostly organic and that sort of thing, it would be um, a given that it would be corn syrup and uh, dye free, but uh, a lot of times it's not. So we've been really um, very vigilant about uh, for gut health purposes also because corn syrup is is really uh, hard on your gut, taking out all the corn syrup. And then um, things like condiments, mayonnaise um, that have a lot of soy products in them, um, soybean oils and things like that that are super inflammatory to your body, um, especially as you age, mm. um, have been kind of on, on the top of my hit list to figure out how to replace those economically. Because remember, we're a family of six. Um, yeah. And so, you know, some of, some of it I make, some of it I batch cook, some of it I source um, in quantity, you know, but there's always a solution to um, getting what you want. Yeah, that's very true. Um, it might mean you have to do a little bit more work. But I think that's that's part of it is that people don't want to or they think they think it's going to be hard. It's not necessarily as hard as you might think it is. Yeah, but it's absolutely not as hard as people think it is. Um, it's just a conditioning. Uh, a lot of what I have replaced, I can, you know, I did I did all my sink hand soaps yesterday with a, a chemical free option. It took me five minutes to replace, you know, the soap and all my hand soap containers with yeah. a non-toxic solution. Um, how much harder is that than getting online and, you know, clicking and having it shipped or clicking and, you know, going to pick it up. I mean, it's really, it's really just trading time off and um, yeah, it's better for your budget. <laughs> then you're yeah. not, then you're not hitting the the target dollar spot, right? If you're not going to target. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, Erica, what, what are some of the, if people were to, you know, I, I think there's people who are facing either different pieces of the puzzles that you faced, or maybe all of them, or many of them, uh, maybe some other things. And these could be helpful ways to address that, to start to change the game and worst case scenario, they at least make your life better, which is not such a bad thing. Um, what are some of the things that you would you would tend to tell people, you know, step one, like, let's start with this, because it's it's a lot, right? And they don't have to start with everything. So where do you usually start the focus? Yeah, they don't have to start with everything. Um, one of the things that we haven't talked about um, is really one of the things that I, I ask people, even if they've had only one miscarriage, um, especially if they've never gotten a positive pregnancy test. Um, to have something in their blood work checked called Factor V Leiden. Um, it was also one of the, the things that sent me on my path um, to um, researching the things that cause infertility. Um, 
So factor five lighten is actually a blood clotting disorder. And a lot of times when I mention it to people, they, I get a lot of pushback because they say, oh, well, I don't have a, I've never had a blood clot. How can this affect me? Um, it actually affects secondary infertility. I've already had a child and surely I would know um, if I had a blood clotting disorder or wouldn't my doctor have already tested me for that? And the answer to all those questions is no. Um, factor five Leiden affects up to 80% of the population, but a lot of times it's never expressed. Um, so I actually had a blood clot uh, in my leg. It's a DVT, a deep vein thrombosis um, when I was 33. Wow. So I really credit having that early diagnosis uh, with some of my ability to conceive as well. Um, so what happened for me when I did get a positive pregnancy test they went ahead and put me right away, meaning at four weeks. Uh, when I say a positive pregnancy test, within you know 24 hours of of getting that double line uh, blood thinner. Mm -hmm. And so, what happened for me, and I know this to be true now after going through multiple pregnancies and and uh, ultimately a loss as well, is that I was an early clotter, and so I was not ever getting a positive pregnancy test because those little, uh, I was getting chemical pregnancies, so I was getting symptoms, but never that rise in my hormone level to be able to produce a positive pregnancy test because those little roots that implant into the uterus were clotting off before it could generate any hormones. Oh. So that's one of the ways um, that people um, experience this is that they never get a positive pregnancy test. Um, secondarily, you know, there are women uh, in my um, in my groups and things like that that have had up to six miscarriages before they're diagnosed. It's very, very frequently. It's really the most uh, the thing that I'm most passionate about getting the information out there to people. These women have experienced six miscarriages before a doctor will say to them, "Well, let let's just test you for this. Let's see if this is something that you know you have." And it's a very easy fix and it affects so many women. If someone has even had one miscarriage, I, I ask them to go and get tested. Um, so that is my number one jumping off point for people. Even more horrifying, um, you know, I've known people uh, with second and third tri trimester losses too. So in that case, when the estrogen levels, because that's really what we're talking about here is the increase in estrogen in the body causes the clot. So they'll, they'll have like a, around a mid second trimester loss right around the point of viability, or they have stillborn um, losses because of a clot either in the placenta or the umbilical cord. Um, so it's really devastating, especially if you find out after the fact of a loss like that, that it could have been prevented if only someone yeah. would have tested you. Only yeah. someone would have tested you. It's, it's devastating. Um, so that, that's my number one jumping off point. And then there's a whole um, list of um, tests that I ask the women to go to their doctor, um, some uh, a little bit deeper testing for their thyroid, a little bit deeper testing on their blood panel um, and that sort of thing. And then just to pick a, pick a point, you know, it's really individualized for people. My coaching is because... Um, everybody is different, you know, and everybody's pain points are different. If you, you know, are married to your three cups of coffee a day, we're not going to start there. 
you know, um, if you feel like you're already uh, eating a pretty good diet, um, then, you know, let's see if we can bump that up a little bit. It really depends on, you know, a person's, um, a person's individual needs. Um, if that answers your question, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a fair point that it's individualized and it's a continuum. It's a spectrum. You can work through this piece by piece. Um, but also I think there's a message in there, as you're saying about, you know, if you're, if you're being told there's nothing you can do, um, there's nothing wrong with you listening to your gut and knowing if there's something doesn't seem to be right, there are other places you can turn for guidance. Absolutely. And just getting a second opinion. I mean, so many people just, you know, uh, because of the, the white coats and the degree on the wall, they just feel like it is an absolute. And I can tell you not only for myself, but there's a lot of women out there like me who have advocated for themselves, who have dug a little bit deeper, who have gone into you know, research mode, whatever you want to call it, and have really dug up some things that, um, you know, they're able to be impactful. But I don't think that I answered your question. So my top five would be, um, you know, easy peasy, you know, number one, testing for that factor five Leiden. Um, Number two would be a probiotic um, because of the gut health, the hormone connection. Um, And then the third would be that laundry detergent, just because of the hormones and the endocrine disruptors in them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, pick pick a starting point um, somewhere either in the food category or in the um, personal care products category. Um, pick a starting point and then address your mental health in some way, uh, whether that's therapy, whether that's exercise, whether that's visualization or meditation or prayer. Um, you know, we have to have a holistic approach to, um, to dealing with, um, to dealing with the journey, you know, and a lot of people, and we haven't touched on this, you know, they have those losses, they have the stress of, um, mortgaging their house, um, for infertility treatments that then ultimately don't work. Uh, and it's an incredible mental strain, uh, on not only the woman, but the family as well, uh, the husband, the children that might, you know, that they might already have, because this is secondary infertility that we're talking about as well. Um, so it's really important to, um, to not just push that aside and try to hide that under a rock. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that one of your five is the therapy side and there's lots of different ways to go about that. Um, and often that can feel like the most daunting, but it's unbelievably important. And I think it's, it's, I don't want to say something's impossible, but it's very hard to see a real shift in your life if you're still leaving that stone unturned, despite all the, you know, the, the changes elsewhere in your life. That's often the biggest unlock. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, one thing you didn't mention, I'm not surprised, but it's that people could also talk to you and oh, yeah, you know, have a conversation. So where, where can people find you and get in touch with you about you know, the help that you provide, the guidance and services? Yeah, thanks. Um, on my website is ericahoke.com. It's H-O-K-E. And then I'm on Instagram under Woke 
to wellness. It's um, W-O-K-E and then a dot in between each word, woke to wellness. Um, and I also have a program that I started um, for women just as a jumping off point, women that are trying to conceive or just women in general, that's called 21 Day Reset on the Run. And it's very small micro resets throughout your day, very doable um, body, mind, and spirit for 21 days that are super impactful. So micro resets that are super impactful for body, mind, and spirit. So they can find information on my website for that as well. And I will link to all of those things in the uh, in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for thank the time for today and for, and for sharing so much of what, you know, not just your story, but the things that you did to change your story. Um, a lot of education in this episode. So hopefully that gives people some tangible things they can start to look into. Even, you know, those first five, you can take yeah. take some steps. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Erica, are you ready to help me close the show out? I sure am. All right. Today is a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Erica. Thank you. What useful information. And look, the focus was obviously about fertility and for women, but this is humans. This is not just about women. This is not just about whether you're trying to get pregnant or not. It's still valuable for you. I take so much of her advice and her guidance into my life every day. And obviously, I'm not a woman trying to get pregnant. So it's valuable. And it pays dividends. And this is about living a better, healthier, happier, easier life. It's not hard work when you just make it part of who you are and you feel the rewards. It's not reaping the rewards. It's feeling it because you can feel it every day when you're healthier. I am really thankful to Erica for joining and sharing these insights. And there are some just really easy steps. Like you can change your laundry detergent. That's not hard. You can avoid a few kinds of food unless you're buying them organically. And you can say, well, hey, to save on money and to balance or manage my budget, I can make the choice to eat these things non-organically to try to offset some of the investments I'm making elsewhere. You can plan ahead on your meals. Just make a bigger portion, stick it in the fridge or the freezer so that you're not seeing that, oh, this is so much work and I have to start from scratch every day. We would do it anyway. You know, there's nothing wrong with having leftovers regardless of whether it's organic or natural or whatever. So just plan ahead. Build a little bit of padding here and there and you start to find, oh, I was making this out to be so much harder than it actually is in my head for so long. That's kind of human nature. I think I've said this on the show before, when someone tells us a, a shortcut to get somewhere we're used to driving to or going to, the first time we take that shortcut seems harder, seems longer. And even if we look at our clock or our watch and we say, oh, when it, it is faster, we still think it was longer. That's the way the brain works. You have to stick with it. You have to see it through and you start to get the benefits of it. So taking the advice, give it a try. To get more information, as Erica said, her website, ericahoke.com. It's Erica with a C, and Hoke is H-O-K-E.com. Of course, it's in the show notes, so you can grab it there. And while you're surfing around the web, why not surf over to brianfalchuk.com? Check out everything that I offer. I've got my books. I've got the master class tied to do a day, the show that you're listening to right now, and so many other resources for you to help you go out and do it. All right, everyone, let's leave it there. Thank you. 
and have a beautiful, healthy day.